You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Coming in off the bench, your buddy, pal, and amigo, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Jr., or as the voice of CBS Sports Radio just told you, Jody Mack. Uh, that's what I have most people, or they choose to call me, because they don't know me well enough. And when I introduce myself, I always say, hey, Jody Mack. I don't go through the litany of names that are actually on my birth certificate certificate or my driver's license. Yeah, Jody Mack will do. And I'll do the next two hours with you here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, Bill is going to be off today. Uh, the fill-in host who was supposed to jump aboard came up a little on the ill side himself. So I got the call less, uh, about two hours ago, but I was just about to start a different show two hours ago. So can you jump in and uh, give us a helping hand with the writer show today? I said, yeah. I know what's going on in the world of sports, even though I haven't gone through my usual preparations for a uh, national sports talk show. Oh, I know enough. And we'll uh, certainly cover a lot over the next two hours. But I will once again put this out there, even though when I filled in for Billy last week, the phones were not necessarily uh, ringing off the hook. Uh, Writer doesn't take a whole hell of a lot of calls. I like to. If you know me from the weekend, weekend warrior here on CBS Sports Radio, you know I go to the phones for both Saturday and Sunday nights when I'm here on CBS Sports Radio because I want to get what you guys think. And I'll give credit to a caller who made a great point. I asked a great question on Saturday on my show, and then I turned around and used it Sunday with a guest I had on about the NFL and testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs and how it actually is looked at through the eyes of the fans, the media, and for the specific conversation we were having, the Hall of Fame Selection Committee, the difference between the NFL and Major League Baseball, because I went off on a tangent about uh, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. uh, and how he may very well have compromised his Hall of Fame status, even though he's probably not going to come up for vote for, what, 20 years? Because he's, uh, I'm assuming, going to play well into his 30s. He's 23 years old right now. And he's going to be at least 10 years, if not 15. And then you got to wait the five before you come up for election. Uh, so I took a harsh stance on uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. And a caller asked me a very poignant question about uh, well, why is the NFL different? doesn't seem like their guys are affected near as much. So I did ask Howard Balzer about it. Well, we'll get into it over the course of the next two hours. That's for sure. But see, that's what you get when you go to the phones. You get questions and or lines of thinking or narratives that it may not have dawned on the host. Yeah, that would be me. And shame on me for that. Um, but then you rectify it and you get more information for more people that know more than you do. And that's the way it worked out this weekend. So uh, that's why I like going to the phones. I like getting you guys involved. I like giving you the chance to get your point of views out there on a national platform. My telephone number is 855, uh, excuse me, yes, 855-212-4227. Same number we've been using here at CBS Sports Radio for the full nine years we've been on the air. Same exact today. So if you want to hop aboard after I lay out a couple of topics that we've been talking about over the two hours uh, that I'll be on today, I do want to hear from you. So uh, make note of the number. Be ready to jump aboard uh, when we get to our first caller segment. Uh, I'll give you plenty of time and plenty of notice of when uh, yours truly is going to give you guys the chance to hop aboard. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios, whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current one, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life. 
Rocket can. All right, uh, it's going to be a football, baseball, little basketball mix. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what Kevin Durant is up to. A lot of times when you get these players that want to be traded, uh, they're smart enough. They've got enough contacts. Their agents, agents leak stuff around the uh, professional sports leagues all the time. But you have to actually have an accredited agent, which might not be the case with Rokon, Rokon Smith of the Bears. Oh, that's a whole other thing we'll get into uh, over the course of the two hours. But I really don't get where Kevin Durant is coming from. He's sending mixed messages. and all. all right, so that is one of the things we will get into probably in, in hour number two. But starting off with, let's start with baseball, because that's the active sport. Yeah, 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 I know. They're going to play preseason games this week. Did you watch preseason football this past week? Some good stuff, some not-so-good stuff, a whole bunch of superstar players who never saw the field. So hey, we're in the less-than-50-game push for the postseason for baseball, so I'll I'll put that above talking uh, National Football League to start today's show. We're going to do both. Don't kid yourself. Over the two hours, I'm going to give you a chance to chime in on both uh, baseball, bas- uh, football, and we may get a little basketball in hour number two. All right, baseball first. Bad night for New York last night, uh, and don't 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 get overly uh, uh, mad at me, Yankees slash Met fans, New York baseball fans. I still am very much picking the Yankees to win the American League East. I still think that there's, despite the thirteen to one beatdown that the Braves put on the Mets in Atlanta last night, I'm not picking the Braves. They got within a half a game. Of the Mets two and a half, three weeks ago, Um, Mets were playing 500 ball. The Braves got red hot, won a bunch of games in a row, and then it kind of leveled off. The Mets are still up by four and a half games in the East, even after last night's beatdown, and five in the loss column. I'm not changing my opinion that the Mets are going to hold on and win that division. Before the year started, I picked the Atlanta Braves to win the division. I picked the Mets as a wild card. And I picked the Phillies as a wild card. And right now, the Mets lead uh, the National League East by four and a half games. The Braves are the number one wild card team in the National League. And the Phillies are the number two wild card team in the National League. So my prediction looks pretty good. I'm patting myself on the back here. I'll try not to hurt myself. Uh, but I had all three teams making the postseason this year coming out of the NL East, and that's the case uh, as we sit here today. Yeah, I had the Braves uh, winning the division slightly over the Mets. So even though that was my preseason prediction, oh, by the way, if the Braves catch the Mets and uh, actually win the division, and it finishes up Braves on top, Mets and Phillies as wildcard teams in that order. Oh, I'm going to take a bow. Uh, I will uh, point back to the fact that that was my prediction before the season started, even though as we sit here today on August 16th, me being uh, very uh, transparent and upfront, yeah, I do think the Mets are going to win. I watched DeGrom and Scherzer pitch uh, this weekend against the Phillies, and they were just stone-cold dominant. Yeah, neither one of those two guys was on the hill last night when the Mets got smacked around by the Braves. Uh, no, the the Braves put a hurt down on, on the Mets. Uh, it, they, it'll help to lock them into the number one wild card seed. I just don't think they're going to catch the Mets. But then the Yankees also shut out last night in a bullpen game. 
Uh, you don't always see that. The Yankees got no offense whatsoever. Um, and, yes, I'm not picking anyone to be able to catch them, not the Rays who did it to them last night, not the Jays who I think are the second-best team in that division. Garrett Cole pitched uh, six solid innings, only gave up one run. Uh, the bullpen kind of fell apart. Peralta got smacked around uh, for the Yankees. Uh, so they end up losing to the Rays 4 to nothing. But you, if you're a Yankee fan – there has to be at least warning signs up there for you. I'm not saying flat-out panic um, that uh, because the Yankees have not been great over the last 10, 15 games. Shoot, I guess you can go all the way back to um, certainly to the trade deadline and, and maybe into July from the All-Star break on. Uh, other than Aaron Judge, who continues to be the unquestioned MVP of the American League, Yankees offense is starting, you're starting to see some cracks in it. Labor Torres has kind of slowed down a little bit. Rizzo is what he is. He's an RBI guy, strikes out plenty, 225 hitter, not going to hit 300. He gets his fair share of walks. His on base is great. When you're hitting 221 and your on base is 338, oh, that's a guy who's going to get his walks, but um, he's also uh, not going to uh, get, get a big hit every single time up. When you made the deal to get uh, Kiner Falefa as your shortstop, you had to take on Josh Donaldson, who just isn't the player he once was. Andrew Benatendi, that they picked up in the trade, uh, hasn't exactly broken out as a Yankee offensive bat. Uh, There's a reason why they can't wait for Josh Bader to get healthy and be able to go into center field because Aaron Hicks is giving him next to nothing offensively. Yeah, Yankee fans, you might be getting a little bit nervous. I would not say panicked, but a little bit nervous because the offense isn't what it was earlier in the season. Uh, Cole's good. Cortez is good. We'll see what Jamison Tyon is. Uh, The Yankees did decide to move Montgomery at the trade deadline, even though uh, he had been pitching pretty damn well for him in their rotation. He did not think they did not rank him as one of their Top four starters come playoff time, so they thought it was uh, okay to trade part of their rotation because uh, they should have should, and I still think they will be able to cruise to an American League East title. And then, if a guy doesn't make your top four in your uh, postseason rotation, uh, why not give him up to fill a void, a need that you have? Well, Harrison Bader's got to come back and play at some point. I've uh, not seen any updated status on when he's going to get back, but. Now, that was a, a little bit of a risky deal that uh, Brian Cashman made. So both of the New York teams did suffer last night. Uh, we still got a very tight race in the American League wild card. Uh, the Guardians splitting a doubleheader, so their lead shrink a little bit. Um, it's going to be a fun last 40 games. Yes, the Yankees are going to win the American League East. Uh, both Tampa and Toronto are 10 games back. I don't think they're blowing that lead. Uh, I watched the Seattle Angels late night last night. Max Stassi, the catcher for the Mariners, had one of the worst innings I've ever seen a catcher have. Yeah, there was uh pitch in the dirt, runner on first base. He knocked it down. He got up. The runner decided to just not go and was heading back to first base. He did a Roberto Clemente spin and threw the ball about 25 feet over the shortstop's head. Didn't need to throw it at all. There was no runner going to second base. So he airmailed one. Runner goes down to second. Uh, then there's a uh, play at the plate. 
and a runner gets caught in a rundown, and he throws, he runs him three quarters of the way back, and then throws it to the third baseman, and no one is covering home plate behind him, and he didn't get back there quickly enough. Uh, just a uh, the runner stole a base on him as well. Not a great throw down to third base. Uh, they had a play at the plate after knockdown line drive picked up, thrown home. He's got the tag. He doesn't hold on to the ball. Damn, just one of the worst uh, defensive innings you're ever going to see. Um, so Seattle got a win last night, but they're not catching Houston. They're going to make the wild card, uh, certainly aided in their wild card status, but they're 12 games out. So it's going to be the Astros and the Yankees with the two best records in the American League. Guardians are two up over Minnesota. The White Sox are also two back. So that race should be fun all the way. I think we'll go down to the wire last week of the season to see who wins the Central. As far as the wild card goes, Seattle is actually uh, sits atop the wild card race right now by half a game. Tampa and Toronto have the next two spots. The Orioles, who at one point over the weekend after a Friday night win, snuck their neck into a wild card spot. They've fallen back a little bit. They're a game and a half out. But uh, Minnesota and Chicago also uh, at two back are not dead yet. Yeah, sorry, Red Sox fans. If you think you're getting in it, uh, five out, It's the numbers say you're still in it. I watched the Red Sox play enough to say, yeah, they're not really in it. Uh, so uh, we, we can debate the playoff status of all the teams. They came out with the playoff scheduling. They're going all four games, both days. Going to try and wrap it up, start it on a Friday, end it on a Sunday, get it over and done with, and then move on into the next round. So if you think you've got a playoff-type squad and you want to talk them up here or question them today, that's why I have my phones, uh, 855-212-4227. National League wildcard, uh, Braves, as I mentioned, number one. The Phillies right now have the second seed. They jumped over the Padres last night. They beat the Reds in Cincinnati. The Padres got shut down by Sandy Alcantara, uh, who pitched seven innings of shutout ball. And we know they're not getting Fernando Tatis back anytime soon. But those three look like pretty good locks. Could Milwaukee still get involved? Yeah, they're two games back. They got beat last night by the Dodgers. Uh, facing the Dodgers at this time, not a good thing for anyone who's hoping for uh, wild card positioning. Uh, they trailed the Cardinals in that division. It's close. That's what we like about pennant races. And I know you got to go a long time and many playoff rounds before you actually decide pennant races. I guess I should call it playoff positioning races. Uh, I'm ready to talk about the baseball races throughout the uh, two hours. I'm filling in for Bill Ryder today. Uh, there is a couple of NFL things I want to hit on, including that I something I guess I'm getting tired of talking about. But until it gets decided, I'm going to continue to talk about it. The expedited, that's a question mark in my voice thereafter, yes. Uh, hearing for Deshaun Watson and how much he's going to get suspended. This is the slowest expedited adventure I've ever been on. It just drags on and on and on and on. And it annoys me, and I'm not even a Browns fan. I got to wonder how the Browns fans feel about this. They got to watch Deshaun Watson go out and play. Oh, by the way, he went one for five, throwing the football the other day. But I did see the highlights, and there were two blatant drops. He, he didn't necessarily deserve the one for five box score look that wasn't good at all. But he also heard about it down in Jacksonville. We can talk about the chance that he had to deal with, and hey, 
I got no problems with the chant. One of them was a profane, so I can't uh, repeat it here on the air on CBS Sports Radio, but I thought one of them was actually kind of on point. Uh, so we got both baseball and football, basketball a little bit later. On the baseball front, uh, we'll uh, certainly talk about it in hour number two. We'll punch up a baseball guest. But I want to punch up you guys. I do so by opening my telephone lines, 855-212-4227. Jody Mack in for Bill Ryder, Writer Than You, here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Jody Mack in for Billy R. on a Tuesday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Trying to get your week off on the right foot. I'd love for you to jump aboard and give me your thoughts on what's going down in the world of sports. I threw a couple of thoughts out there in segment one. I'll continue to do so. Uh, top of hour two, we'll get uh, Matt Snyder up. Does a great job covering Major League Baseball for CBSSports.com. Got a bunch of things I want to run by Matt. I gave you a quick little update on where the standing stint last night's actions. Not a good night for the two New York teams. Matt's getting pounded by the Braves in Atlanta. And Yankees being shut out by the Rays in one of their infamous bullpen games. Uh, getting the better of Garrett Cole. Um, so, yeah, if you're a baseball fan, you want to talk about the races, I'm here for you. 855-212-4227. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light, and they do so for free. They'll get you back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. All right, uh, sticking with the baseball theme. I saw this yesterday, and it just got me rolling my eyes. And he's a guy who I actually used to like. I thought he was an underrated player, a guy who was a pretty damn good infielder, glove-wise, and also had some pop in his bat. That would be Fernando Tatis Sr., not junior, senior, who played for a couple of different teams, including the Mets, in his 11-year MLB career. And his son is probably going to eclipse his dad's career resume uh, uh, by threefold over the course of his career, but he's not going to do anything between now and the end of the season and not for the first 30 games of the season next year because Fernando Tatis Jr. tested positive uh, for a performance-enhancing drug and was, uh, as expected, suspended for 80 games for uh, his uh, positive test. We still don't know. I talked about this over the weekend here on CBS Sports Radio. And I don't know that we're ever going to know exactly when Tatis tested positive. Uh, Supposedly had ringworm. That He is claiming that the medication that he used to clear up the ringworm contained the ingredient that showed up as the positive test. And that it was completely accidental took the uh, the blame for it and said, yeah, I know it's kind of my job to make sure that uh, I don't use stuff like that, but it, there was no intent for me to attempt to be taking a performance-enhancing drug. It was just there for the stuff that I was using, the medication I was using for ringworm. Well, I can guarantee you that Fernando Tatis Jr. and every other Major League Baseball player has had it pounded into their heads that anything you put into your body, you must know exactly what it is. Certainly any medication that you use must be researched. You know exactly what's in there, what can happen on a test if you do take it, and you need to be very careful with it because things like what happened to Fernando Tatis Jr. could happen to any player. 
and he attempted to explain it. I thought his explanation was a little difficult to swallow. It may be 100% true, but I just thought it sounded way too convenient for me. I don't know Fernando Tatis Jr. a little bit. I actually know his dad better because I have interviewed him and uh, talked to him down on the field uh, when he was a Met uh, years ago. Um, uh, even if you just accept what he's saying is the truth because he said it, and you don't know any better, so you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, that's good on you if that's the kind of person that you are. It's still on him. He's got to know that he can't take that chance that he's going to take something that's going to pop positive on a test, and it's going to cost you 80 games. When his father was asked about it on a uh, radio show, um, I guess it was down in the Dominican Republic, He did characterize the 80-game suspension as being over the top and not not as necessary as uh, Major League Baseball has made it out to be, according to Tati Sr. I don't think there was reason to destroy the image of a player over something as minor as that. There's a whole bunch of things you can parcel out of that statement. Destroy a player's um, uh, career, uh, image of a player. He's de- Major League Baseball has destroyed the image of this player, Fernando Tatis Jr., by giving him an 80-game suspension. Well, why do you have rules? If you're not going to use them when people violate them, what are they supposed to do? Step in and go, uh, okay, but it's Fernando Tatis Jr. we're talking about here. One of our star players, he has told us, don't know that you can prove it, but again, you want to take him at face value, you can. That's up to you. That it was just a an accident. He accidentally took this uh, supposed ringworm drug that had the uh, performance-enhancing aspect to it. Sorry, but rules are rules. And I don't think it destroys the image of the player. Now, here's where I'll give Tatis Jr. some credit. He said that he's going to go in and immediately talk to all of his teammates, um, that there were some guys that kind of spoke out that he really handicapped them and what he did was wrong, and he hurt the Padres' chances. Uh, The general manager was kind of outspoken about it, that uh, uh, there are now trust issues between the organization and the player. And to Tatis's credit, he caught a run and hid and said, I'm suspended. I'm not showing up. I'm not going anywhere near the team. Uh, I'll text or talk to the guys that I have to. At least it's being reported that he's planning on joining the team and personally talking to all of them, including his manager, including his general manager. So I give him his props for facing up to what he did. But there's no gray area in the middle here. There's no, uh, you, you need to follow the hard and fast guidelines here. There, there isn't anywhere that you can negotiate this, despite the fact that Fernando Tatis Sr. seems to think that there is, because my son is a superstar type player, and because he didn't really mean to take the performance in the answer drive. Uh, uh, who has ever, I don't even think Alex Rodriguez, who uh, is a weird case unto himself, No one has ever stepped up and said, oh, yes, I took performance-enhancing drugs. I did so knowingly. I did so willingly. And I did so for the purpose 
to enhance my performance. That's why they call them performance-enhancing drugs. I knew what they were. That's why I took them. Yeah, I did. I cheated. Who's that guy? Everyone who's ever tested positive has said, oh, I inadvertently took it. I took something else, and it didn't. I didn't realize that it contained the performance-enhancing uh, Stop. 80 games is what he had to get. And it's going to now be up to Fernando Tatis Jr. to decide whether it destroys his image or not. He can work hard, and I think he's taken the right first step by being a, a man and stepping to his teammates and apologizing and saying it'll never happen again. Well, now he's got to make sure it never does happen again. Um, but it sounds to me like he's handling it well. Maybe Fernando Tatis Sr. heard me here on CBS Sports Radio this weekend say, I think that Fernando Tatis Jr. has just severely handicapped his chances to make it to the NFL, uh, the MLB Hall of Fame. No player in the now, I guess it's 11 years since uh, a player could have been voted on for Hall of Fame status five years after drug testing was implemented in 2006 in Major League Baseball. No player who's ever tested positive and been suspended has been giving, given a pass into the Hall. It has not happened yet. There have been some players like a Rafael Palmero, who, oh, by the way, hit 500 home runs, had 3,000 hits. There are only nine guys in the history of baseball that have ever accomplished that. And Palmero was on the ballot for four years, and he dropped off because he couldn't even get 5%. So the voters have kind of spoken. If you tested positive and you were suspended, a, a, a positive test your chances of making the Hall of Fame are severely compromised. Now, Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't going to come up for, shoot, maybe 20 years. He's going to play at least 10, 12 more, maybe 15 more. Then you tack on the five years you got to wait after your career is over before you get onto the ballot. So we may be talking about 20 years down the road. Will the f- voters' opinions and the way they handled their business change? The voting, uh, the voters will change. There's a turnover every single year. Uh, guys retire, new guys are added. So it's not the same group that has been deciding on the likes of uh, Rafael Palmero and or A-Rod, who only got 30% of the vote last year. He is another one of those guys who has 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. You get either one of those, you're basically in the Hall of Fame unless you have off-field issues. Uh, only a handful of guys have both. Palmero already off the ballot. A-Rod not impressive in his first year on the ballot. Will Fernando Tatis Jr. become that type of player? A guy who can hit 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Even if he does, as he already written his epitaph for his Hall of Fame status. Yeah, that's what I said here on CBS Portrait. Maybe that's what uh, moved Fernando Tatis Sr. to come as heart hardly harshly in defense of his son i guess i shouldn't be surprised dads always defend their sons all right jody mack that would be joseph anthony aloysius mcdonald jr my father wouldn't defend me he'd, he'd throw me under the bus i can pretty much assure. he'd tell me that i embarrassed his name a couple of juniors yours truly and uh, fernando Tatis jr of the padres his dad's taking his back i hope my father would take mine i hope you take uh, your time and give me a call 855-212-4227. Jody Mackin for Bill Ryder here on CBS Sports Radio. Here with the latest CBS Sports update is Marco Belletti. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Jody Mackin for Billy R. on this Tuesday. 
Ryder Than You get together on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, I'll stick around for another hour and change. Next hour, Matt Snyder, MLB Inside CBS Sports.com, going to hop aboard with us. Um, yeah, I wish I was doing I'm glad uh, anytime I get a, a chance to jump on the airwaves here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm uh, excited for it and thankful for it, but I'd almost prefer to be on the fan today, uh, WFAN in New York, to uh, hear if Yankee fans have officially hit panic mode just yet. They have lost 11 of their last 14 games, shut out back-to-back games. The offense all of a sudden has disappeared for the Yankees. They got a 10-game lead. Can they blow a 10-game lead with 40-plus to play? I'm not sure about that uh, because the other teams uh, you've got right now are, uh, of course, Toronto and Tampa, both 10 games back. And, oh, by the way, the Orioles are just on the outside looking in as an above 500 team. They all got to play each other. The Yankees got to play them, and it's going to be hard work and some heavy lifting for the Yankees during the last 40 games with as many divisional games as they got to play. But everybody else got to play each other, too. So I I think the 10-game lead is safe but there might be a little reason for uh, some nervousness up in the Bronx with the Yankees, uh, with the current skid that they're on. Uh, so, yeah, we will mix in some baseball stuff. Maybe you can get the NBA and stuff in here uh, about Kevin Durant before the hour comes and goes. But one more uh, football note before we turn to Kevin Durant. Expedited. I, I, I just felt the need to look up the actual definition of the word. I was 99.9% sure I understood what the word meant. I said, maybe I'm interpreting, maybe there's more wiggle room in it than I thought. No, no. Expedited means rapidly, quickly, uh, without waiting. It means do it now. And that's what Roger Goodell said when he handed off the decision-making process on the suspension for Deshaun Watson to Peter C. Harvey, the former attorney general of the state of New Jersey. He has done work with the NFL before, so he's certainly cognizant of the way the NFL works. Uh, He's a former attorney general, so you know that he understands the entire legal process. But when Goodell named him 13 days ago, not yesterday, not the day before, not earlier this week or weekend, 13 days ago, tomorrow will be two full weeks from when Peter C. Harvey was handed the Deshaun Watson case they have yet to come down with a decision. Now, there's a comparable case in the NFL that isn't about Deshaun Watson. It seems like that's all we talk about is Deshaun Watson. But um, uh, there is another case with the New Orleans Saints running back who has legal issues from an assault last year. Um, Know that Alvin Kamara is one of the most talented players in the NFL, kind of like Deshaun Watson, a different position But uh, Camaro's legal case continues to drag out in the courts. He is being criminally prosecuted. So I get why the NFL has to be slowed there. They've kind of set the precedent of how they handled these cases already. That when it is a case that involves uh, the law and there is a potential for criminal punishment, The NFL doesn't want to jump ahead. They want to wait to let the legal proceedings work themselves out and then jump in with their decision as how the uh, players should be handled and or punished in the National Football League. In the Kamara case, 
the hearings that they've supposed to have, the court uh, meetings, have continually been pushed back. Um, from what I can gather in reports that I've read, some of it has been Camara, which is understandably so. He wants to take as much time to push the decision off as possible. But some of them have also been on the uh, other end, uh, the prosecuting end as well, that has slowed the process down. Uh, by now, they're supposed to have gotten the process underway, and it still hasn't even begun. So Adam Schefter reported, uh, I think it was yesterday, um, that there's a chance that the Alvin Kamara legal proceedings could drag on slow enough that the NFL will not even get a chance if they stick to precedent, and they usually do the way they handle these things, that he might not be punished at all this season by the National Football League because the court case might not be decided until after the season's over. So Kamara may just be able to play all 17 games if he stays healthy for the Saints this year. That was not what most people projected. They thought that the uh, uh, court proceeding would already be decided by this point. The NFL would have the chance to put a suspension on him. And most of the speculation is that it would be six games if what has been reported is accurate as to what transpired in this case. That I get. That I understand. The NFL has already put their way of handling this in place, and they don't want to deviate from it. So Alvin Kamara may... You can say get a break because of the slow moving. Sometimes the wheels of justice turn slowly, and they're doing so in this case. For you Saint fans, it might not be uh, a bad uh, piece of news that Alvin Kamara could play the entire season. But the Deshaun Watson thing is completely different. We know what went down. We know where we sit. There's only one small little open loophole, one of the cases that Deshaun Watson had brought against him, civil case, by one of the masseuses that he worked with, has yet to be settled. All the others have been settled out of court. There were no criminal proceedings. There wasn't enough evidence in the opinion of um, the authorities in Houston for them to uh, take uh, criminal action against him. He's already been traded by the Texans from Houston to uh, Cleveland. The Texans jumped in, and they were ones who actually expedited things when it became known that they had uh, given NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, to uh, Deshaun Watson and said, you might want to ask your masseuses to fill this out before they uh, get you up there on the table. They jumped in and said, let's settle this ahead of time. Uh, if they're going to add us to the lawsuits, we don't want to have to deal with this. Let's get to each person. Let's see if we can come to an agreement, write a check, get this overdone. They expedited their end of the process. But the punishment for Deshaun Watson is still sitting out there, and it's not been decided yet. Well, you know all the steps that they went through. Uh, both sides presented their case to an uh, supposedly objective third party, Judge Sue Robinson. She heard the case for three days then waited 30 days, a three-day hearing that then took 30 days to come up with a decision on, and her decision was that he should be suspended for six days, even though in her findings she said what Deshaun Watson did was egregious and predatory. And she only hit him with six games. So the NFL stepped in and said, no, we're going to use our power to appeal. We're going to uh, bring this to another party. Roger Goodell just could have stepped up and said, no, here's what it should be. 
and boom, he could have uh, uh, immediately dropped the punishment under Sean Watson. Now the Players Association can take it into federal court. Uh, they've attempted to do this before in varying situations. The federal court very much frowns on uh, overturning an agreement that's in place between a collectively bargained agreement between parties. So chances are the Players Association would lose, but if they wanted to, they could fight the fight and take their chances in federal court. Roger Goodell slowed the process down again and designated uh, Peter C. Harvey to be the guy who would decide. And it was given to him almost two weeks ago. No new hearing. They didn't say, Deshaun, you've got to come back in. We've got to question you again. They didn't call any witnesses. There's no witnesses. All it is is Peter C. Harvey taking the findings of Judge Sue Robinson and then determining whether her punishment fit the crime, so to speak. And it's already been close to two weeks. And, oh, by the way, I thought it would be as soon as Goodell passed it off, I said, all right, a couple days, and then they'll come out with the announcement. I thought it would definitely be before the Browns played their first exhibition game. That didn't happen. Deshaun Watson played this past week, uh, didn't play real well, had uh, one of five completed passes, although there were a couple of drops by his team. It didn't exactly help him out, his new Browns receiving teammates. Uh, But I thought that the decision would come down before it. All right, fine, they got the first one. Uh, so it'll come out on Monday. Well, Monday came and gone. We're already a couple of hours into Tuesday. Are they going to drag this out all week again? Does that mean Deshaun Watson is going to play in the Browns preseason game again? Which, oh, by the way, is Sunday this week. There's always one Sunday game in NFL preseason weeks, and they put it up national television on Sunday. So uh, last week when the Browns played the Jaguars down in Jacksonville, it wasn't a nationally televised game. Now, the NFL network has access to all teams' feeds. They can put up whatever they want. They, uh, I watch a whole bunch of games re-aired after the fact. A bunch live, but a bunch re-aired after the fact as well, and they can do that. It's a little bit different when it's a live broadcast. And the Browns and Eagles are going to be a nationally televised game because it's the Sunday game, the only Sunday game on this week's exhibition sched. Um, Chances are Deshaun Watson won't have to deal with the type of uh, verbal abuse. And, yes, that's the word I'm using, abuse that the Jaguar fans laid on him on uh, their uh, exhibition opener. One line I can't repeat because it uses profanity and you can't say those type things on uh, radio. Uh, But the other phrase that was thrown out there, and it was audible enough, and people had the ability to record it and put it on social media so that it becomes widespread. Uh, With Deshaun Watson, I guarantee you did hear from the crowd in Jacksonville this past weekend was no means no which we all comprehend and understand what uh, the fans of Jacksonville were the point they were trying to make by chanting that for Deshaun Watson when he took the field. It's going to happen all year. Whenever Deshaun Watson plays, and we still don't know when that is or isn't going to be, he's going to have to deal with this. So uh, the fact that they are supposedly in an expedited process that is, for my liking, anything but expedited. It's a snail's pace right now. 
I mentioned this a couple times here on CBS, and I've done so for the last couple of weeks, first with the Sue Robinson slow decision, and now again with this uh, new aspect of it, Peter C. Harvey making the call. It's gotten to the point where I almost, key word there being almost, almost have sympathy for the Cleveland Browns. Not for Deshaun Watson, but for the Cleveland Browns because they're trying to figure out exactly who's going to be their quarterback for all 17 weeks of the National Football League season coming up. They think they're a borderline playoff team. I think it's kind of been a wide-open division. Uh, Pittsburgh made the playoffs last year, new quarterback. Uh, we'll see if they're better or worse for it. Uh, the Ravens lost their last four games, five games in a row last year when Lamar Jackson missed four of them. We know what happened with the Bengals. Uh, hit the uh, pedal at just the right time and got hot and ended up in the Super Bowl. It's kind of a wide-open division, and I don't think the Browns are outrageously optimistic to think they can be in the mix for the NFC North this year. But how can you even get your hopes up when you don't know who your quarterback's going to be? Right now, it looks like Jacoby Brissett. There are rumors out there that they could jump into the Jimmy Garoppolo mix if they found out exactly how much time Deshaun Watson was going to miss. They just still don't know. Now, the Browns went into the whole Deshaun Watson thing with their eyes wide open. They knew what the cost would be. They, ma- they matched the asking price that the Texans put out there. Then to get Deshaun Watson to okay the deal because he had a no-trade clause in his contract, they said, well, how much are we going to have to grease your palms uh, to the tune of 230 guaranteed millions of dollars? So I really can't feel sympathy for the Browns. They knew that it, this was coming. They just didn't know the timing of it and the exact number of games they were going to be out be without the guy that they think is going to be their franchise quarterback for the next five years. Oh, and it's all five years because they guaranteed all $230 million of those dollars. Yet they still don't know. Why is the NFL dragging its feet on this? Why is this process taking as long as it is? I, I can honestly say I don't understand it, um, that Roger Goodell had the chance to bring the hammer down here. Uh, maybe it's the fact that Roger Goodell is oftentimes maligned by the fan base of the National Football League. I think he does a really good job, but I think he's mishandled this one. When they didn't like the Sue Robinson decision, they should have just put the punishment on the table and moved on. All right, Mac coming back, filling in for Bill Ryder today. We'll go baseball heavy next. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Going to jump aboard, talk all things MLB with us here on CBS Sports Radio.